sandwiches will be delivered to Nativity House each Monday morning. Contact Elder Linda Greer to volunteer. We are tracking worship attendance again. We especially want to welcome those who are worshiping with us for the first time. We invite everyone to register their attendance by using the online registration form on the front page of the church website. We would like to know if there will be a graduate in your family this spring, please let the church office know. We are claiming a journey of wholeness, God's shalom, during the season of Lent. 
a daily online devotional is available for each of us to use during Lent. Easter is coming, but first we will worship together with our ecumenical partners online Good Friday at 7 p.m. Easter sunrise service will be outside at 6.48 a.m. That's right, 6.48 a.m. Join us on the grass overlooking Commencement Bay, wear a mask. A second new member class will be offered with Pastor Joyce, an elder and a deacon, on March 13, 10 a.m. to noon. This class will be held in person at Jane Clark Park. Come explore the meaning of membership at Bethany. Register online. If you would like to learn more about us, contact our church administrator, Katie Sutcliffe, at bethanypresstacoma at gmail.com. Good morning, Bethany. Please join me in the call to worship, which is found in Psalm 107. I'll give thanks to the Lord, for God is good. God's steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, those redeemed from trouble, and gathered in from the lands, from the east and the west, from the north and the south. Let us worship God together. calling us to confess who we are and to know that we can be absolutely honest before God. 
For our prayer of confession, I've been using Psalm 51. And some of you have shown me how meaningful the message is. So I am using the words of Eugene Peterson from the message. Let us pray. Soak me in your laundry, and I'll come out clean. Scrub me, and I'll have a snow-white life. Tune me into foot-tapping songs. Set these once-broken bones to dancing. Don't look too close for blemishes. Give me a clean bill of health. God, make a fresh start in me. Shape a Genesis week from the chaos of my life. Don't throw me out with the trash or fail to breathe holiness in me. Bring me back from gray exile. Put a fresh wind in my sails. Give me a job teaching rebels your way so the lost can find their way home. Commute my death sentence, God, my salvation, God, and I'll sing anthems to your life-giving ways. Unbutton my lips, dear God. I'll let loose with your praise. Amen. also from the message as found in Ephesians chapter 2. Friends, it's a wonder God didn't lose God's temper and do away with the whole lot of us. Instead, immense in mercy and with an incredible love, God embraced us. The Holy One took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. God did this all on God's own with no help from us. Friends, this is the good news of the gospel. Thanks be to God. We are on this journey of a life together. The road is very, is ever before us. So now, as a community of friends and, and family gathered in spirit, I offer you the peace of Christ. May the peace of Christ be with you. Please greet one another with peace and love that is God's gift to us this day. Take a moment to write your blessings in the comment section 
and check in with our community. Hi, Bethany family. I hope you all are doing really well. So for the past couple weeks, we've been talking about Lent. And Lent is a time where us as Christians try to make space in our lives. We might give something up. We might do something, but it's all different things that we do to try to get closer to God and to tr also try to think about our actions and think about what we can do in our life to uh, make ourselves better. It's kind of like a spiritual spring cleaning a little bit. So the, we've been reading this book called Lent, a, a Make Room, a Children's Guide to Lent. And the chapter we're reading today is called Making Room. Um, when Wherever Jesus went, people wanted to be near him. Some were sick and hoped Jesus could make them better. Some had questions and hoped Jesus could give them answers. Some felt dirty because they had done bad things and hoped Jesus could make them clean. Some were hungry and wanted food. Some were lonely and wanted company. Some were angry at the unfairness of the world and hoped Jesus could set things right. So it sounds like a lot of the same reasons we pray today for Jesus. So many people needed so many things. Sometimes Jesus got very tired, but he never turned anyone away. His friends worried about him. They tried to get him to rest. They shooed away the children. They tried to send the crowds home, but Jesus said, let them come. Everyone is welcome. The kingdom of God is like a giant feast. All kinds of people will come to it from every place and time. But some people did not like the way Jesus made room. Look at him, they said. He chooses the wrong friends. He should know better. He cannot be a good man if he spends time with bad people. But Jesus kept inviting people in. Through what he said and what he did, he sent this message. We can always make the circle bigger. There is room for all around God's table. During Lent, we make room. We invite a neighbor to our house to share our soup, or during these times, leave soup on a doorstep. We make cards and decorate them, then send them to people who are sad or sick or alone. We try hard to see people the way Jesus saw them. So think of some ways you can make room this week, even in a pandemic. What are some ways you can reach out and let people know that they are loved? And uh, speaking of this, I want to mention something that our Christian Ed team has put together. Um, there is a um, course that's being offered to all Bethany families called Raising Anti-Racist White Kids, a step-by-step -step guide to parenting for racial justice. And uh, this is a course offered by Dr. Jennifer Harvey, and it's going to be facilitated by our own Laura Johnson. And um, it's a really nice opportunity because this this usually costs a good amount of money. It's going to, um, I believe, 10 courses that are going to be offered. There'll be Zoom sessions online. You'll uh, meet together once a week. Laura should have sent you a letter. Um, it was a really beautiful letter. I got one and um, letting you know about it. We don't have a time set up yet. So if you were confused about why there was no date, it's because once you sign up, Laura wants to meet with all the parents and find out what time's best for everyone to kind of have a face-to-face -face chat about what you're learning about. And I think this is a really good opportunity as people of Bethany to... Um, 
learn how we can love all God's children the right way. And um, so I hope that you guys reach out. If you don't have Laura's information, you can always send an email to Bethany, letting them know that you'd like to attend, or you can send me an email. It doesn't matter. We'll make sure that you get on the list. So I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your Sunday, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. I've been blessed and fortunate to check off most of the items on my bucket list. For example, climbing Mount Rainier with my daughter Elaine, traveling in all 50 states, and biking across the United States from La Push on the Washington coast to Boston on the Atlantic. The 66-day bike trip across America gave me a greater appreciation for and spiritual connection to our beautiful country and fellow Americans. I was sustained on the journey by my daily prayer partners, many of whom were dear friends from Bethany. The Old Testament scripture this morning is from Numbers 21, four through nine. From Mount Hor, they set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, but the people became impatient on the way. The people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we detest this miserable food. The Lord sent poisonous serpents among the people, and they bit the people so that many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord, take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people, and the Lord said to Moses, Make a poisonous serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten shall look at it and live. So Moses made a serpent of bronze and put it upon a pole, and whenever a serpent bit someone, that person would look at the serpent of bronze and live. The New Testament message this morning is from Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, and this is the message translation. It wasn't so long ago that you were mired in that old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. We all did it, all of us doing what we felt like doing when we felt like doing it, all of us in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with the whole lot of us. Instead, immense in mercy and with incredible love, he embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did all this on his own, with no help from us. Then he picked us up and set us down in the highest heaven in company with Jesus, our Messiah. Now God has us where he wants us. With all the time in the world and the next, next time to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. Saving us all his idea and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. 
It's God's gift from the start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go out around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both, the making and the saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does, the good work he has gotten ready for us to do. Work we had better be doing. The word of God for the people of God. Our gospel lesson this morning is from John chapter 3. Nicodemus has come to see Jesus in the night, in the dark, and they have talked about what it means to be born from on high. And then Jesus begins to speak in verse 14, saying, And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of a human being be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment that the light has come into the world, and people love darkness rather than the light, because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light, so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. The word of God for the people of God. I hold in my hand this morning a piece of jewelry. It is a cross with diamonds. It was a gift from my husband, Dave, on our 25th wedding anniversary. Those were the days of teenagers and launching kids off to college. We hardly ever got a moment to ourselves. So we booked a B&B in Cape May, New Jersey, and treated ourselves to a quiet dinner. Dave pulled out a jewelry box. He had never, ever given me jewelry since the night that he proposed to me and gave to me an engagement ring. I could tell that this was a big deal for him. And I had learned later that he had saved for quite a while to buy me this gift. When I opened it, I feigned surprise and thanksgiving, but inside I was crushed because it was a cross with diamonds. And I would not wear that cross for 10 years. I was crushed, crushed because I felt like we'd lost touch with one another spiritually. Even though we'd gone to seminary together, we're in ministry together, and we're raising our kids together, somehow he had missed that I was having a deep struggle with the cross. At that point in my life, I saw the cross as an instrument of gruesome death, like a gun 
or a lethal injection instrument, an electric chair, or a noose. The horror of the cross and what happened to Jesus made me want to weep, and I could not wear a gold cross with diamonds. He would eventually ask me why I never seemed to wear his cross, and I would share my spiritual struggle. He was hurt, but we moved on, and I've not received a gift of jewelry since. The cross, a pole with a serpent on it, instruments of power that bring healing beyond our imagination. So this morning we're going to ponder together our Old Testament passage and the spirit of grumbling and discontent that seemed to capture the attitudes of the Israelites as they tramped around the Sinai Peninsula. It was was as if the air they breathed was full of negativity, or laughing gas, if you will, nitrous oxide, to numb their sense of reality. They did not seem to be able to claim God's promises and actions in their lives. Then we'll look at the amazing gift of deliverance and healing that God offers each one of us in Christ. And finally, we'll end up in the Gospel of John with this cosmic event of the reverberating life, giving word, coming to live in our midst. A word that faced the darkness, the poisonous snakes, the venom, and shone a light on it, and condemned it, and cast it out for the purpose of bringing eternal life, which begins now for each one who believes. Will you join me in prayer? Gracious God, we thank you for your word that is alive and active and comes to us and teaches us and changes our patterns of language from grumblers to people of hope and blessing. Teach us this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I know that some of you were born with sweet dispositions. You always see the positive side of things. The glass is always full. Maybe you're called a Pollyanna or a Polyandrew. Others may have a more skeptical perspective on life. Doubtful, sometimes negative, questioning, able to imagine the worst. But no matter what your perspective, this is us, human beings. And how do we see the world? And do we really see what's going on? Or are there things that we really cannot see? I am noticing that here in Washington, traffic circles are everywhere. When I was growing up, there were not traffic circles. There were intersections with stop signs where we would stop and look both ways and then proceed carefully. I met my first traffic circle in New Jersey. It was absolutely terrifying in the early 1990s. Vehicles were entering from eight different roads, three lanes in the circle, and everyone going at a great clip. Honestly, I eventually had to park my car by these traffic circles that I traveled on all the time, pull out a map, 
and just watch and try to figure out how I would get from point A to B if I was going a different place out of the circle. I often thought it would have been really helpful if they would have built towers that we could climb up above the traffic circle and just watch and figure out how to get through this mess. When we read Numbers chapter 21, we are at first horrified that God would send poisonous snakes to actually bite and kill the people. What kind of God is this? Vengeful, mean, vindictive? Or did the people actually stumble in to a snake pit and blame God for their misfortune? Did they praise God for the salvation that was given? There is no evidence of that. Because when we climb into the tower to observe the traffic patterns of these Israelites, as they moved through the Sinai Peninsula, we see a people who are grumbling and complaining and accusing and blaming everyone, especially their leaders and God for every trouble, absolutely everywhere they go, since they escaped the grips of Pharaoh in Egypt. Even when God grants them huge military victories, provides daily sustenance, but like quail and manna and sweet, sweet water, there is not a word of thanks. These would be considered caustic people, people you and I would stay away from because they're going to suck us into their dark hole of the blame game. But when those snakes start biting, God hears the people's cries once again and provides healing. The image of death, a hissing, spitting, venomous snake with fangs is transformed into an instrument of healing. That's a God thing. We struggle with pain and death, and God brings healing. As many of you know, the Hippocratic Oath and the symbol of healing for the medical profession is a pole with the snake on it. Look up and be healed and do no harm. Last week I shared in the sermon about my travel to Israel several decades ago. While in a Jewish settlement in Hebron, we were guided into a museum where the people of that settlement kept pictures of all the atrocities that had ever been committed against this settlement by Palestinians. The stories were gruesome and heartbreaking. And I had just come from the Gaza Strip and being in a refugee camp where I heard stories of atrocities from the Palestinians. I'd also been to the Yad Vashom Museum in Jerusalem where we'd learned about the Holocaust. I could see on both sides how the abuse of one generation was being perpetuated by the next generation. No healing, just continued blaming and lashing out, pain after pain. In our passage this morning, the Israelites have finally been able to obliterate their enemies, the Canaanites, who've plagued them for generations. There's destruction everywhere, and it brings them no joy. Moses says, look up, people, for God can transform 
the serpent of pain into a serpent of healing. This is the kind of power that God has to transform lives and perspectives and hurts and wounds that we carry not only as individuals but as people together. God can pull us out of the polluted air we have created, the stench of disease and death, and bring the fresh, sweet air of salvation, a gentle breeze that is sweet and pure. Sebastian Moore was a Benedictine monk for 75 years, born in India and died in Great Britain in 2014. He wrote a poem almost every single day of his life. And I want to share a poem about fresh air that he wrote. We want a God who supports us in our lust to dominate each other, who is thus a grandiose version of ourselves. And this is a God who is angry as we are, who differs from us only in having limitless power to impose his will and to punish. This is God-like and it's the whole purpose of God's self-disclosure to show us that there is no such being, which gives to our mind a huge breath of fresh air called Holy Spirit. In this fresh air, we see each other for the first time in the love that God is. The power of the cross is amazing. God wins. God's love cannot be thwarted. Yes, the cross is an instrument of death, as is the snake that we first meet in Genesis 3, a snake that speaks of discontent, of mistrust, a desire to be like God, knowing good and evil. And so God curses the snake, the serpent, and we read, the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you among all animals and among all wild creatures. Upon your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. And God asks Moses to take a serpent, put it on a pole, and lift it up so that the people can look up and be healed. And God comes to dwell with us and asks the Son to die on a cross so that all the pain and the grumbling and the moaning and the sin and the death can be destroyed. God has offered this gift, and whenever we look up, and see the cross, we know that we could be condemned to watch out for snakes around us, biting at our heels, condemned to a life of poison and death, always blaming others, condemned to miss the healing grace and mercy of God. And we are invited to look up, accept the gift of salvation, and God uses the snake as an instrument of healing. What a God thing to do.
So God is at work redeeming the creation and people like you and I, like Nicodemus, who came by night. And we all learn what it means to be born of the Spirit. So God has offered this gift, and whenever we look up and see the cross, we see what God can do, taking the atrocities of our brokenness, our wars, our rumors of wars, our messes, and breathe and bring healing. So breathe in the holy, sweet spirit, the balm of Gilead. This is such a great gift. We must receive it and wear it and share it. To the glory of God. Amen.
thank you for your willing spirits, your yes, we can do it attitude that is claiming so much life and hope in the midst of this Lenten journey, in the wilderness of this pandemic. In a time when there are so many losses, you keep pointing out the gifts of God. And you keep being generous, keeping your pledges, so that we, the church, can keep our commitments to our mission partners, our staff, and our witness on the corner of 41st and Verde. We give thanks to God for your generosity. God has given us so much hope that is planted in our hearts, and we say, Thank you. It is a privilege for us to come to this holy table, this communion with our Lord and our God. And as we prepare to come to the table, I'd like to invite you to go and, and bring your bread, your cracker, a cup of juice or water or wine, and come and bring it into your space so that we can share in this holy sacrament together. Friends, this is the joyful feast of the people of God. Men and women will come from north and south, from east and west, to sit at this table in the kingdom of heaven. Our Savior invites all those who trust in him to come. Come if you have known Jesus for a long time. Come if you're asking questions. Come and be fed at this table. Would you join me in prayer? Gracious God, we would ask that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on these your gifts of bread and wine, that the bread we break and the cup we bless may that be the communion of the body and blood of Christ. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, that we may be one with all who share in this feast, united in ministry in every place. As this is Christ's body brought body for us. Send us out to be the body of Christ in the world. Keep us faithful in your service until Christ comes in final victory and we feast together with all your saints in the eternal realm. For all glory and power are yours, now and forevermore. Amen. We recall that on the night of his arrest, Jesus was gathered with his disciples in the upper room. And during that supper, he took bread. And after giving thanks, he broke the bread, saying, This is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant, sealed in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the saving death of the risen Lord until he comes again. Friends, these are the gifts of God for the people of God. So as you take your piece of bread or cracker, I remind you that Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Those who believe in me will ne never hunger. Those who believe in me will never thirst. Eat 
all of it. And Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Cut off from me, you can do nothing. Drink all of it. As we move to a time of prayer, I'd like to invite you to share in the Facebook chat any concerns that you would like to share with the Bethany community or maybe a joy so that we can be in prayer with you this week as we push away from this table and seek to be faithful in our lives in ministry. Please join me in prayer.
O gracious and holy God, we give you thanks that when you look at our frail lives, you look with love and understanding. When we murmur and moan, you tap us on the shoulder and invite us to look up. You desire that all have new life in Christ. We're overwhelmed by your love, which grows to a cross for us, endures the grave for us, and rises to new life for us. When we don't know how to pray, pray for us. By your Spirit, strengthen our souls to be brave and bold in Christ's service. And in this moment, we know you know the prayers of our hearts and the people that we carry into your presence that we love so much. We pray for those struggling with cancer and the treatment thereof. We name Al before you. We can claim healing for pain, from pain for others. And for each one making major life decisions, guide them as they ask hard questions and listen for answers. Be with all children who are walking with maturing parents. We pray for each one seeking the vaccine. Open the right appointment for them. We hold our precious children and youth before you and ask that they would have courage to keep studying and learning, that they would have time to dream and to wonder. We pray for parents and we ask for patience for them and quiet spaces where they can be renewed. And we pray for our teachers. Many have gone back to the classroom this week. Keep them safe. Please guide our leaders as they work strategically together with so many entities to help our nation and our state and our community to find healing. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray, saying together, Our Father, our Mother, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now to the one at work within us who is able to do far more than we can imagine. To God be the glory in the church, in Christ Jesus, to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. <laughs>